Welcome to Calvin's Corner. My name is Phil Nasons. He's Pastor Michael Noonan. And we'd like to welcome you to the Christian show unlike any other Christian show you've ever heard. Michael, how you doing? Lovely, and you? I'm doing fantastic, except the Lions lost. And that to was, who? Oh, who did well, they lose to, Phil? They lost to um, Minnesota. Yes, Vikings. I have a soft yeah, spot yeah. for the Vikings, though, but not this week. Well, it's uh, we Vikings fans live a week at a time. We've we've learned never to uh, set our expectations any higher than than maybe. I think Christians should be like that too. <laughs> well, in some areas, perhaps. Ravi Zacharias. You know, last week we talked about the Bible answer man, who probably isn't anymore. Yeah. And. This thing with Ravi Zacharias is kind of a news story now, I guess, but uh, I don't know. Uh, I've always kind of, I've never read anything that he's ever written. I saw him once on TV years ago, and I, uh, whatever, you know. But uh, apparently he has been using false credentials, whatever. He's been making money doing so, publishing books with these credentials. My, oh, my, oh, my, oh, my. And the funny thing is, though, Michael, here's the deal. Every time this happens, the apologists of said perpetrator, <laughs> want for a better word, they always traipse out King David every single time. Oh, yeah. I just, I put up some uh, links to the information about Zacharias on this week's Linkathon this morning. Yes, you did. And in my, my Twitter blast, I, I, I said... Uh, information about the Ravi Zacharias scandal and more on this week's Linkathon. And it took two minutes for someone to tweet me going, seriously? When he opens his mouth for 60 seconds, one would think he's understated his credentials. I'll give him a mulligan. Wow. Are you you people serious? They are. (laughs) I know they are. (laughs) That's the problem. it doesn't matter what in the world we put up, how much information there is behind it, how much documentation there is behind it, whether it's uh, uh, Bob Coy to Ravi Zacharias, people don't want to believe that these people are capable of falsehood. That's right. Or avarice, or greed, or any of the other things that are common to Christian celebrity, or and, anybody for that matter. And you know, this is a podcast. I can say whatever I want. You sure can. But at one point, a couple weeks ago, when we did another story about uh, you know leaders acting badly, and I got this mouthful of mush from people defending the same people. You know, I, I ought to change the name of my blog to Pissing in the Wind because basically that's what we're doing. Yeah. Hey, do you you're remember? Tra- you're, oh, go you're ahead. trying to inform people. You present documentation. You, you, you present uh, facts. And, and people are just, you know, so what? Oh, okay. Okay. And then you wonder why the church is weak. Yeah. Uh, wonder no more. You know, when I first started my blog by accountability, it was called Theology Today. 
and that's actually the name of a, a theological publication. So they had me switch it. And I think you remember this. I changed it to what color is the sky in their world? Yes, I remember. For that reason. Because that's what I often asked. It was not yeah. about the people who were teaching uh, aberrant doctrine. It was more about the people that would come over there every single day and defend them. And I mean, yeah, it, they would get a preponderance of evidence to suggest that what I'm reporting is correct, where you can get them convicted in a court of law on a lot less, and yet they just want to not believe it. Or if even if they believe it, they, they believe it's inconsequential. Right. And it's like, okay, okay. I, I, biblical ethics have no no hold uh, on the current uh, scene in in America. I uh, anyway, I almost got wound up there, Phil. Uh, I'm sorry, but uh, don't worry. They send the mail, and we got a bunch of it from last week. <laughs> well. They sent it to you, brother, not me. <laughs> yeah, I, I read it on the way to my work. It's kind of hilarious, actually. But uh, at the end of the day, people are people, and we have to expect these things. Unfortunately, when there's a difference between what King David did and, say, what Ravi Zechariah is being accused of. King David's was a spontaneous combustion, so to speak, and then he kind of covered it up. But the moment that it was brought to his attention, of course, he fessed up. And that wasn't all because God punished him. And that's the way it is. Now, Ravi Zachariah has been known about these things at least since 2015, if not sooner. And since he already knows that he didn't have any of those things, this is actually what we call fraud. Correct? Technically. Technically. Uh, and, and and here's here's the 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 problem with this. Uh, I, I'm kind of like you. I th I think I've probably watched five minutes of this guy because it's not a field I'm even slightly interested in. Right. Uh, seriously, I'd rather research the flex position on my fantasy football team. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. Uh, I, I don't well I don't believe anybody's ever been argued into the kingdom of God. Okay, that's fair enough. Um and and so he's not a big deal to me. Okay. But evidently he's um educated himself enough that he is a capable apologist uh whatever those are for the Christian faith. Right. It, the need to puff up his credentials is is the issue here, and yeah. Once once a person's been identified as someone who lies about little things, then the very people that he's trying to reach, which who I assume are unbelievers, are going to wonder if he's going to lie about big things. Right. And so he he's basically. Um, working at cross purposes for the ministry he claims to to have right and it makes us all look like fools uh, I, I i'm to the point where i just want these guys to go away just go away 
He's a big he's a big hit in parachurch organizations too. Have you yes, heard, and, have you seen the latest Ravi Zacharias video? One parachurch leader told me. I said I don't watch that guy. Why would I want to watch him? Yeah, I I don't. It was almost like I swore or let one go past gas in church or something. How well, dare you! I I wonder why these same people don't. <laughs> so if I have a if I have questions, I go to commentaries. Right. I speak to people who are well-trained that I know personally. Right. Okay. I, I have access to people who have real earned doctorates. Right. Me too. And, um, and we can talk about these things. And, and if, if someone in my congregation has a question... I'll answer to the best of my ability mm -hmm. according to my tradition and my, my resources, but I'll also point them to, to people who have established credentials and the reading may be a little difficult and you may have to spend nine ninety nine on a, on a Kindle book or something, but you're actually, doing the kind of research that will lead you to better answers. That's true. And I just don't have much use for this kind of pop Christianity. Um, and again, just like we talked about last week with the parachurch, a whole parachurch issue, it assumes that there, that we need services outside the church when these things ought to be part of a healthy, growing local church and i, I just yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. luke chapter 16 verse 15 i'm going to explain ravi zechariah to you and he said to them them being the pharisees you are those who justify yourselves before men but god knows your hearts for what is exalted among men is an abomination in the sight of god and that's kind of what they, they do. You know, you see this in the Word of Faith movement a lot. Donald Trump's own pastor, Pastor Paula White. She calls uh -huh. herself a doctor, too. Yeah. Whatever. I mean, this is how people do things. This should not be for a Christian who've read their Bibles, and sometimes I wonder about that. Not all, of course. But it, it, it works. It, it seems to. And, and and the way it works is it it, it draws crowds and is financially um, lucrative. Yeah, because you say you uh, held a theological chair in, in a college in New York or you taught at Cambridge and Oxford. Yeah, You know what? You don't need that. I think we've talked about this before, and I'll say this again because I want to get into something else here. Okay. Your local, your apologist, the, the apologist should be your local pastor, where you learn how to, A, equip yourselves correctly, and B, be trained in order to not be a detriment to what you believe and a, <laughs> and a deterrent from people wanting to believe and be the same as you. Amen. That's what that should be. Now, I get it. You know, I have people out there in the world, too. I have, you know, I have a great friend who's a, a seminary president. 
He's got like three PhDs earned, four master's degrees earned, tons of stuff. I remember watching him get slashed and burned on the internet by a guy with a community college education who thought he could debate him. And that was one of his master's degrees. <laughs> so I'm like, wow. But uh, the thing is, is that the big time guys, you're going to go and pay just like you pay for Rafi Zacharias. The difference is you're going to have personal access. It's called a university. And if you can't afford that, <laughs> you can go to iTunes and download stuff. And we've talked about that ad nauseum. But the, the thing is, is I bring up Luke chapter 16, verse 15. And, well, that seems to be very authoritative, very prophetic, if you will, I think. Yes. And, yes, uh, and the thing is, is if you read um, the Old Testament, I believe it was King Solomon who said there is nothing new under the sun. Except some things. <laughs> okay. Was that King Solomon? Did I miss that one? No, you're you're good. Oh, I'm still good. I can keep my I can keep my limited credentials. <laughs> okay, Mark chapter two, verse twenty-four through twenty-six. Now I sent you the show notes, but I talked about this with you before, so you're not being sideswiped. Okay. Now I have logos open, so you have to give me a second, so I can hopefully don't get my computer shut down. While I bring this up, because I moved it over to Luke for the other discussion. All right. And he said to them, this is Mark chapter 225. Right. Have you never read what David did when he was in need and was hungry? He and those who were with him. And this is verse 26. How he entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar, the high priest, and ate the bread of the presence, or showbread, I guess you would call that, in other translations, which is not lawful for any but the priest to eat, and also gave it to those who were with him. Now that sounds fantastic. These are the words in red, so apparently this was Jesus. Only Michael, here's the thing, and this is why there are a lot of, It's it, this is a growing thing. People are starting to think that maybe because there's mistakes in the Bible, that it isn't authoritative. Because if you, this is a, a reference to something that allegedly happened. And it's found in 1 Samuel chapter 21. Only the high priest at that time was Ahimelech. Now, I don't know about you, but that seems like something that could be easily missed, but it's there. Who's the high priest, Michael? How do you explain that? You're a local pastor. How do you right. explain that when I come to you? I don't. <laughs> Bravo. You can't. Okay. So <laughs> if you're if you're someone who is <coughs> excuse me, deeply troubled by this. I'm making your cough come back, aren't I? <laughs> yeah, you're <laughs> you're hurting me, brother. Uh, <laughs> At least you still call me brother. I like that. <laughs> so this is an unresolved discrepancy. Okay, let's let's talk. Let's just call it what it is. Mm -hmm. It's an unresolved discrepancy in the scriptures, right? And if you go to the theological journals, like I did, because you sent me this, mm -hmm. uh, you will see a number of explanations of why that discrepancy may be there, right? 
none of that is going to uh, change the fact that it is a discrepancy. Bravo. Okay? Oh, yeah, but you know what the thing is, though, is they will try to explain it all away and do exegetical gymnastics in order to do that. Right. I did the same thing when I was in school, and I sent, I got my paper back, and my professor, he killed me. He says, or maybe Mark made a mistake. Could be. You know, again, these things don't trouble me. Right. Because what we know about the transmission of Scripture is that the, the manuscript copies that we have are scribal copies of some long-lost originals. Mm-hmm. And we know that there have been errors, and we, and we pretty much know where the errors are, right? in transmitting those manuscripts. And honest um, people who look at this will tell you, you know, we've got about a 1% error rate in mm-hmm. Scripture. Does that mean we discount the rest of Scripture? And I would say only if you, if that's what you want to do in the first place. Okay. So your presupposition would be to uh, throw the whole thing in the bin, and this is a good place to start. Well, I, I don't throw it in the bin at all. Well, no, I know you don't, but let's just say, for example, a skeptic. Because if you... Yeah. If you, if, if you want stuff? to, if you want to be skeptical mm-hmm. about the the Bible, there's plenty of of opportunities to do so and reasons to do so. Right. Um, if you're a Christian, I would I would suggest that that it's a lot of folly, and 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 part of the problem here is, is that in the last thirty years, forty years. We have tried to attach a definition to the scriptures that is impossible to prove. Uh, the, you know, inerrancy says that every word of the Bible is true. Okay, which manuscript? What do you do with these errors? Like you pointed out, we know there may be some historical issues there, mm-hmm. and instead of just honestly embracing those and going, there is a human component to the transmission of Scripture. It doesn't make it less Scripture. And, and what, what are we using? And what is the Bible in the first place? It's God's revelation to man. And it's a story. It's it the story of redemption from Genesis to Revelation. It's a story of how God set about to save man and renew the creation. Okay? It's a narrative. And there are some things that it was meant to do, and there are other things it's not meant to do at all. It's not a science book. Although people try to use it as such. Yeah, it, it's, it's not a textbook. And, and, and for me, you know, I, I embrace what the 39 articles of the Anglican tradition say about the Bible. And okay. this is what it says. 
Holy Scripture containeth all things necessary to salvation, so that whatsoever is not read therein, nor may be proved thereby, is not to be required of any man, that it should be believed as an article of the faith, or be thought requisite or necessary to salvation. The Scripture contains what's necessary for us to come into a living relationship with the living God. That's what the Bible does. Right. So it has nothing to do with inerrancy because you've got those people out there, though, Michael, and, well, and this well, is in your show notes, too. First off, let's let's be honest. We've got 35, 40 different definitions of inerrancy. Right. That's true also. Go read the Chicago Statement on Inerrancy. There are, they have many uh, amendations to that trying to define exactly what they're talking about until by the end of it, I'm not sure what you've got left. Do I believe that the Scripture is, in some sense, inspired by God and the Word of God? Yeah, I do. Okay? I believe the Bible contains the Word of God, and I believe it contains everything necessary for the salvation of people, and everything necessary for doctrine and practice, how you live out the Christian faith. Right. But it is not what I look to uh, for, for scientific <laughs> matters. Right. It's not where I look for historical matters. Right. That's not what the book's about. No. The Bible is the story of redemption. And so the, the choice that we have and, and yeah, you know, I get this a lot. Are, are are people who are hung up on the fact that there are errors, and therefore it's not inerrant, therefore it can't be trusted, right? Re really, <clears throat> really. See, that's uh, uh, those are all in my show notes. You memorized did, them. Did you trust your mom? <laughs> that could be loaded. <laughs> I mean, really, did you trust your mom? I did. Sure. Okay. Was your mom inerrant in all things? No. Okay. So, but you still trusted her. Sure. Okay. You trusted her that she would do the things that she is supposed to do to the best of her ability for you. Right. Did you trust her uh, to explain to you the mysteries of physics? No. Why? Well, in a way, I kind of did, because she was a librarian, and she could point me in that right direction. <laughs> there you go. Okay. But you know what you I mean? Yeah, you don't expect of, of, of things that they are going to um, fulfill everything that you desire out of a book. Right. The Bible was given us to know the story of redemption. Mm -hmm. and, and once redeemed how to live that life. Now, Anglicans, uh, because I'm an Anglican, I'm going to speak from my understandings that I'm coming to in, in this communion, okay? Mm -hmm. Okay. Anglicans have a way of looking at Scripture that's kind of unique in that Scripture is the primary authority 
in all things relating to faith, doctrine, and practice. Secondarily, the tradition of the church. What has the church always believed at all times? Very big on the church fathers. Why are we big on the church fathers? They're closest to the source. Right. Okay? Mm-hmm. And let less people go off on, well, that, he's just a Catholic. Right. Yeah. Let me let me share with you that John Calvin memorized the church fathers. So that when Calvin was in debate with Roman authorities, they were left with their mouths closed because he could use the fathers against them as no one else could. Right. Luther was sort of like that. Luther was very influenced by the church fathers. So all the Protestant Reformation was grounded in the church fathers. As a matter of fact, what they thought they were doing in the time of the Reformation was simply recovering the gospel that the church fathers had established centuries before. Right, that's exactly They didn't think they were doing a new thing at all. And so Anglicans use scripture, tradition, and thirdly, reason. Right. Okay, well, you trust human reason? I, you know, God gave us a brain, moron. <laughs> right. Okay, and he did so for a purpose. Mm-hmm. And so what, what we do in, when we're looking at the Scripture using reason is we understand that there are different genres of literature contained inside the Scriptures, and different genres of literature have to be interpreted differently. For example, I don't know how much I would have to drink to interpret the book of Revelation literally. (laughs) About as much as a Detroit Lions fan would have to drink on (laughs) Thursday. Uh, Probably more. Uh, Maybe more, yeah. So we have scripture, tradition, and reason. Reason and tradition can never contradict the scripture. The scripture is the supreme authority. But we use these other tools in order to come to a fuller understanding of what the scriptures are saying. And we look at the scriptures as a whole. Now, Jesus is the ultimate revelation of God. Right. So many of us have more focus on him and how he does things than maybe on some obscure passage in the book of Leviticus or <laughs> Numbers. Right, right. God help us all. We're going to teach verse by verse through Numbers. <laughs> I'm staying home. Right, I hear you there. Jeez, that's a tough book. Okay, so... To me, the Bible is the Word of God. It contains the Word of God. It contains everything necessary for salvation. It contains everything necessary for doctrine and practice. That is what it was intended to do. Nothing else? No. No. It wasn't even intended to be perfect, right? God mediated His Word through human vessels. 
which he already knew okay. were flawed. So if you look at, so I have a friend who um, has a doctorate in the patristics and has been um, privileged to, to be involved in pretty neat things. And one of those things he was involved in was being invited to um, look at some of the earliest manuscripts that we have. And the first thing that he noted when he was looking at what's considered the earliest manuscript, full manuscript that we have, mm-hmm. was there are already notations of the copyist errors. Right, yeah, yeah. I saw that in Greece, too. Same thing. Yeah, in the, that's, they were in the columns, Mark. Uh, what did you do that for? Do not step on my interpretation, stuff like that. Yeah, and, and so... I can wholeheartedly embrace the scripture for what it is. Okay. And it's a, it's a book of great power of great truths. It's the only book that we have that describes to us who we worship, why we worship, how we worship, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And if we look at it using the tools that God gave the church, we won't get caught up in these other issues. And it's it's when we set, you know, these standards that people can pretty obviously shoot a hole in. Right. That, um, that we run into problems. And the, and the wonderful thing about the scriptures is, is we have so many manuscripts now and they are, what, what they testify to is basically what we've got is what, was written. Right. You know, they found an ancient uh, piece of Isaiah uh, in, in the Dead Sea Scrolls, mm-hmm. and it, it's basically exactly what we've got in our modern Bibles. Yeah, it's quite quite close. Yeah, that's true. And so it's, it's, it's just not an issue for me. Now, it's been an issue for you, right? Well, sure. It's still, and it will be. But um, another friend of mine told me, he said, if you weren't going that deep it means you care and you want to get it right and that's commendable and that's what you should do he said it's called wrestling with the scriptures and you have to wrestle with that he also said something about faith too but at the end of the day you know what gets a lot of people in trouble is these folks who can't explain it the way you just did and then what happens is they wind up going out on their own and running into books by Bart Ehrman and people like that, and then they end up walking away. I've read Bart Ehrman's book. I have too. I've read all of his books during this time. Uh, well, one of the things I'm not afraid of Bart Ehrman. Well, me neither. You know, and 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 Bart Ehrman actually makes legitimate points sometimes. Yeah. However, it doesn't affect my faith. I understand that <laughs> there there have been issues in the transmission of these documents. Right. I understand that these documents were written by different people in different times in completely different contexts and and there's a need for me to recognize that. So I'm I'm going to use reason as well. Right, of course. 
Now, one but, of the things that Bart Ehrman brings up, though, in one of his books, I can't remember which one, is and it's a good point actually. I never, I never looked at it that way. Um, didn't change my mind in any any direction at all. But it made me write it in my little notebook and get back to it. I still haven't. But he said that the it was interesting to him when he was in Bible college, or I guess he would be in seminary at that point. Was that when you read the first three Gospels, and none of them claim that Jesus was the Son of God, but yet you read the book of John, and that's all it claims, and yet the book of John is the latest of the four uh, narratives. So that's that's an interesting thing, too, but that's for another day, I guess. But the thing is... is well, let, let's, let's put something up against that, is that we have Paul, who very clearly speaks to this, who was earlier than all of them. Right, but he really didn't, though, did he? He never quite came out and said Jesus was the Son of God, did he? Yes, you you can you can find uh, references to the deity of Christ in Paul. Okay, but it, it and it's actually kind of a given. I, uh, well, that's what I mean. And, well, that's what I mean by what you read a book by Bart Ehrman and you're going to walk away thinking that he didn't. <laughs> well, because he's also, you know, got some, you know, he, he doesn't believe Paul wrote this. Idea. If you want to get bogged down into that, you can. Oh, right. Yeah, of course you can. And and, it, and it's a bog. Oh, yes. If you want to look at it through a more historical lens, you go back to what is the church said for 2,000 years. Right. And I, I, I think we need to ground ourselves not just in the word for word of Scripture, but also in the tradition of the church and how it interpreted Scripture, how it um, decided on Scripture, and then use reason as well. Now, I'm going to say this, and I'll get a lot of flack for it, Probably. but they always email you and not me, so I'm right. good with that. Okay, fine. Me too. I have no problem with your questions. I have no problem with your wrestling. I have no problem with your doubts. And I'm going to tell you that God doesn't either. Right. That's okay. But here's the thing, though. But you'll get people out there who will lead you to believe that you've lost your way and you're not walking with Jesus anymore. Yeah. I, I hey, I've got I've had it set on my blog. You're becoming a liberal. Yeah. Well, you're I'm... you're walking away from the faith once delivered. No, I'm not. No, no, I'm not. I'm just talking out loud. You know, and what what a lot of people do is because they know that their doubts are going to get is going, are going to draw fire from people. They just don't open their mouth. Right. That's and so exactly they walk, right. They, they they walk around with these unanswered questions that bother them continually, <laughs> with no one to talk to because if they talk to somebody, they're liable to get chopped upside the face. Right. I, and I'm not going to play that game. I have had my doubts. I have had extreme dark nights of the soul, and I'm kind of going through one now. Oh, right. I know, yeah. You should pray for Michael out there if you're the praying kind. And But my confidence that God has spoken in the Scriptures about the things that he desires to speak to me about is absolutely unshaken. Absolutely unshaken. Well, that's just it. 
The Bible and is I'm, meant to. I am as aware of the issues with the text as anybody there is. I, I, I have, and my confidence that the book I'm holding is the book God intended me to have is unshaken. That's fair enough. I've had people try to convince me of it who, who actually made a better case than Bart Ehrman. <laughs> yeah. Because they don't yeah. know what they're talking about. See, that's the thing. Yeah. Again, you know, I'm not going to hammer Ravi Zacharias about that. I guess he knows some things. I don't know. I don't know what he knows, really, because I've never really listened to him. But uh, this is why you need to go to your local pastor when you're having these doubts, because they can weigh you down heavily. It's pretty difficult when you host a very popular Christian radio show and you're well-known in the Christian community as an apologist, and yet you're having struggles, and you keep it inside and it burns you to death. Believe me, it's not a lot of fun. My last six months have not been a lot of fun. And, and, and to me, this is, I mean, and I feel bad because... I could have just called you. <laughs> Well, and, and I wonder why you didn't. Well, because you know Honestly. why. Here's why, because you're already going through enough. <laughs> but I, I I have time. I know for, that. But... For people. Yeah. And I'll, make, but... I'll make time. And the, the last thing I want are people that are close to me having these kind of struggles, and God help me if they feel like they can't trust me to talk about them. Well, that wasn't that... why I didn't call you. <laughs> because... I believe that all thoughtful people of faith have doubts at times, and they struggle with certain things. And we, we live in an age where there is so much information, some of which is accurate. And a lot of which isn't, by the way. That's the thing, too, Michael. <laughs> See, I was you trying to put it all together. Yeah. I was Googling I stuff up in Maine at night just trying to put it all together and uh i was like what in the world and some of this stuff that you'll read especially when you go into things like biblical authority or biblical contradictions i read one website where just about every single verse was a contradiction and i was like i know that not that's not to be true so i'm like what is the deal and i started thinking this is really rough Maybe I should just keep journaling all this and maybe write a book about it or, well, do Calvin's Corner or something because it's not an easy issue to resolve. But the thing is, is you'll get people out there, though, who will lead you to believe that if you don't accept every word and tittle as the inerrant word of God divinely breathed into the 17th generation of scribes, that you can't be a Christian, and that is bull dust. Yes, it is. You know, and one of the one of the uh, big uh, disputes going on inside Calvary Chapel came about when when uh, Brian Broderson w was honest about you know how much time do you really want to spend um, expositing numbers or leviticus right how much time do you want to do all this and and you know people started shrieking from the other side he doesn't believe in the whole counsel of god he's a, you know i'm like oh my gosh you people hmm. um let me say this 
because I, I've thought about this, and and this is kind of a of a catchphrase of mine now, but I think it's the truth. Jesus is the whole counsel of God. If you want to know what the faith is about, you go and and look to Jesus. Go and and read. The you know we can argue about whether or not he got the name of the high priest right, right. or did was there a, a scribal error, was there a translation error? No. Go read the Sermon on the Mount. There's no errors in it. It's it's the mind and the words of God Almighty spoken to you and for you. Look to him. That's all that you really need to do. And, and quit it, worrying about this other stuff, which to, in my mind is, is just a distraction from being able to rest in Christ. Well, that's what it'll do. <laughs> that's, what it'll, that's what it will do, though. It, it'll get you in trouble, you know. But uh, Well, it's not going to get you in trouble here. Well, and, no, and I th I think that you deserve, you know, the best I can do, and 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 when I realize that you need more to to point you on to people who uh, have better answers or better trained than I am, who can go as deep as you want to go into it, yeah, until wait you until you can come out the other side at rest with some doctrine of scripture that you can live with. Wait till Dr. Talbot hears this. He's going to call me up at midnight because he's a night owl and he's going to start cussing me out. <laughs> why well, didn't you call me? I hope not. No, he will because he'll well, say, why didn't you call me? Well. There you go. See, because I, I have I, that academic thing too, you know, so I kind of think I can do my own thing sometimes. Well, and that's kind of where we all get into trouble. And that's where and we get into, see. Lone Ranger theology does. Lone Ranger Christianity doesn't work. No, it doesn't. It really doesn't. I can tell you, it's been really rough the last six months. And then not only that, that great pastor and church I was in, that ain't no more neither. I mean, so it was really a domino thing. But anyhow, the end of the day is, if somebody tells you that you can't be a Christian because you don't accept that the inerrancy of the Bible. Their Tur definition of inerrancy. Yeah, their way. definition. And you need to turn around and walk away because the end of the day is you're to follow those words in red. Those are pretty accurate. Maybe they're not completely accurate because they were transcribed years after the event. And who gets the everything right? No one does. But they so are what, accurate in regard to what they address, which it, is... The salvation, sanctica sanctification, the redemption of man, and the Christian life. And that's all the Bible was ever meant to be, for that purposes only. And if you want to get into it, go to seminary, get your degrees, and you can sit in a think tank and you can go and kill each other about <laughs> Mark chapter 2, verses 24 through 26. I've decided not to. For Pastor Michael Noonan, I'm Phil Nasons. We want to thank you, as always, for listening to Calvin's Corner.